Yo, what's going on? It's your boy, Big Wavy Roy Johnson here. This is the professional Nathan Cruz. Yo, this is man like Doreen. Hi, this is Tom Thurwa. This is Veggie. This is the Asian sensation Kanji. This is the nightmare fuel hustle alone. This is Joe Rage, the heavyweight classic. This is Mad Dog, O'Dockery. This is Tonga. I'm the Breaker, Kyle Kingsley. This is the infamous Cameron Solis. And you're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Broken but Glorious. Broken but Glorious. To Broken but Glorious podcast. Because like me, you are head to toe a pro. Hello and welcome to Broken but Glorious on bbgwrestling.com. I'm Chris Lappin. I'm delighted to be joined by the king of the beasts, the henchman, the unit, Jim Diehard. How do you believe in it, Jim? Hello there, Chris. How are you doing? That enough monikers? If you haven't missed any? Uh, that's, that's enough. I'll try and throw quite a few in there and, uh, and see what we can, <laughs> see what sticks. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, I missed one. Jackal? That was one of your early, early oh, Jekyll, Jekyll was my original gimmick. That was uh, under the mask, but that's long retired. You know, so that way. <laughs> cool. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask about that a bit later in the show. So. You can ask about uh, that, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, huge thanks for joining me this evening. Um, how you been surviving lockdown? It's, uh... Yeah, it's, um, I mean, lockdown was sort of two halves for me, really. So, like, the first half of lockdown, it was weird because we, I, I literally had, like, a full weekend of shows. Yes. Um, so I was on the, the weekend, like it, it all kicked, like we were put into lockdown on the Monday and that weekend I had three shows. We had shows Friday, Saturday and Sunday and the Friday was an all-star show. It was in like yes. a new town up north somewhere. And uh, I was with uh, Niwa and Paul Sayers. I drove up there with, and we were convinced all week that the show was going to get cancelled due to COVID the whole weekend to be off. And it wasn't. And we yeah. thought, all right, we'll oh, get wow. Friday, but we'll get Friday, but maybe we won't get Saturday, Sunday. Um, Saturday I was at DWA down in Devon um, and again we were yes, convinced that I was going to get stopped and it didn't but I went ahead um, <laughs> and then we were going to uh, Andover for a, a Superstars of Wrestling show um, oh, wow. and yeah. again we you know that was a bit touch and go the venue weren't sure whether it was going to go ahead and it did go ahead so that was good we got all three shows in and then oh, on the Monday we woke up being told uh, that's it now nothing else and then we thought oh it'll only be a month or so and then just it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and thought, well, you know what happened there. So yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same in work. We're yeah, like, oh, yeah. see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, just stuff and get back into the office. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, basically, like the, the first original lockdown was just. I mean, it was you know we were we were looked after with like government grants and things like that because my circumstances at home we were we were taken care of quite well. Um, yes. So really, we didn't have too much to do like i can't complain too much but the end result was you know we discovered a lot of things like like amazon prime delivering food right to your house like you're shopping and everything yes. like that <laughs> sending alcohol to your house so being able to order a bottle of rum on amazon and getting it sent to your house same day and you know i was just constantly having barbecues and just sitting out back drinking because the weather was good and uh lifting weights in the daytime because yeah. I've got a, a decent garage gym that you may have seen on my social media. You'll see in the background now and then. Yes. So I had access to that for the whole of lockdown. So I just thought, let's just lift weights every day and see how heavy we can start lifting weights. But I wasn't looking after myself. So I sort of ballooned pretty heavy. Like I've always been a big guy. You've seen me work before. You've met me, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I've always been a pretty big guy. You know, I normally top hours or 23 stone-ish. Um, any higher than yeah. that, and I start to feel it in my back and my knees and stuff like that. And I got up last year, I was I got up to about 25 and a half stone, which is, for me, wow. it's like an incredible size to be like 350 pounds. Yeah, I got to, when did the lockdown start? March. I think March. by 
end of June, I got I went from sixteen stone to eighteen stone. Yeah, it's easy done. Purely, yeah. I'm like bacon, but because we're all here, having bacon butties for breakfast every day, and yeah. <laughs> mid morning snack, and then we'll have pasties and stuff for lunch. That's it. <laughs> Afternoon so, tea biscuits. Exactly, yeah. The black coffee. Oh, uh, you just too easy. Yeah, we'll it's only been a couple of weeks, and it's six months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just keep going, eh? So then, um, but there was a bit of a wake up call when the lockdown sort of the first lockdown we kind of came out of it a bit, and um. Mm. The, the wrestling training school that I, I go to sometimes, which is uh, from the ground up in Leicester, which I think you, yes. you spoke to uh, Chocolate Thunder recently, I believe, yes. who's one of the boys yeah. down there. Um, so that's guy. that's pretty close to me. So I pop over there to do a bit of training every now and then. And um, so after we came out of the first lockdown, we went and did some, you know, non-contact, just some rolling drills, hit the ropes, that kind of thing. And uh, just at the size I was, I could feel like, ah, oh, this isn't right at all. This is... <laughs> didn't feel good you know wow. it was a, I, I yeah. felt really like heavy on my feet for the first time ever like I've, I've always been a big guy but because of when I started I was a lot smaller I've always been able to keep up with like roles and things like that and, mm-hmm. and hit the ropes yeah. and you know to a certain degree I've kind of been up and down over the years but never in that kind of condition so it's quite scary when I came back and suddenly I, I couldn't do things that I should be able to do it was a bit of a wake-up call so since new year um I've been hitting the weight still but then I started to get the get on top of the diet as well and it just it just sort of rolled and i've uh, got up to about 25 and a half stone but i'm now down to just over 19 which is like the lightest oh, i've been in about 10 years so as <laughs> say you've got you've got phenomenal shape over like this this year oh, thank you yeah it's good and i, I you know i, I keep I, I don't want to be that guy that keeps putting it on social media but it is a motivation thing because every time i put something online of me looking better and i get a lot of good <laughs> comments and messages about it it just kind yeah. of drives me on to keep going with it, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. I can, I can see. Yeah, I always thought, well, it, it, yeah, it can only be a, a bit of a motivational thing if people could see where you've come from to where you're going. It's, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, so um, sort of end of May, we, we got back out on the road again and did a couple of uh, test runs, like a couple of outdoor shows and stuff like that. Um, and, it, yeah, it was just great to kind of feel normal again, be out on the road with the boys again. and. Uh, Raising some health and getting back in the ring was was phenomenal. Oh, basically. <laughs> Were there any um, matches or storylines in 2020 that you're particularly looking forward to that you couldn't get it, which couldn't happen in the end of? I mean, there's a couple of not so much storylines and matches and things like that. Like we were on some good runs. Like um, we were starting to get some work with uh, Tidal up in uh, in Leeds. Yes, Leeds. Up for me, down for you, I guess. Um, and uh, we just would literally like a, a couple of weeks before we debuted with uh, Fight Nation uh, in Milton Keynes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. If you're familiar with them at all, they've got some great guys down there. So we literally just I, I got a, like a last minute debut for those guys. Um, and then we had like future dates booked and then lockdown happened. So it kind of killed that. Um, oh. Every year we do a show in Northwich with First Class Wrestling, which is like entirely for uh, Meningitis Now charity. Uh, yes. First class wrestling boys, we do a, a show at a pub called the Lee Arms in Northwich, which is like we have a great time. We wrestle in a marquee, but it's a, sort of a whole day. And the pub takes care of us really well. So we have like a bar tab and we get food and everything. And it's oh, kind of like our, our annual get together, which is normally like the first weekend of June. And obviously, we've now missed two of those. So that's been a bit of a bummer. Um, yeah. oh. And we were Southwest Wrestling, which is uh, Pete Brainbridge's promotion down in sort of um, Bristol kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, he was booked to do a, a festival last year um, 
down in Hereford. Um, and yeah. it's called Lake Fest is the name of it. And they had some good acts booked there, like um, Ash were booked to play in Venga Boys. And we were, oh, wow. We were, <laughs> we were booked to play there. Um, we were booked to wrestle there for the whole weekend. And obviously that had to get pushed back. But that's going ahead hopefully Sounds next fun. month. Yeah. And I've added Tom Jones to the lineup now. So that should be pretty fun. Oh, I used to love Ash. Ash was one of my favourites. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That's me, man. That's, that's my age group. Ash was uh, was a big deal when I was a teenager. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I was a big buyer of Kerrang! magazine back in my day. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So they, they, yeah, we used to just randomly go to the Liverpool University just to see who was on, and they were, oh yeah, Ash were, Ash were on randomly one time we went and they were supported by Snow Patrol. But I was like, wow, wow, <laughs> just, yeah, just that's not just too bad tip. for a university. Yeah, just tip. yeah, I, yeah, it was yeah, they, Snow Patrol hadn't had their massive hits yet, but they were they were still really really good. Yeah, I used to love yeah, just uh, tipping up to the university and see who was on. Yeah, just, just something yeah, to do. Still a good story to tell. Like, I, I did this. This reminded me. I did um, Loughborough University out of Freshers Week when I was only a couple of years in, and um, yeah. there was a wrestling show being put on there, and it was just terrible. We were <laughs> but this rickety <laughs> ring was sort of on a slope outside the university in like wow. late September, so it's freezing cold. We had to change in the middle of the building and sort of walk through everybody with gear on to get to this ring that was on like a thirty degree tilt. <laughs> um, against some of the worst wrestlers you could ever imagine. Um, wow! And the other entertainment there was the band Big Brothers, if you remember now, hip hop group. Oh, yeah. And they were they were definitely on the downward swing at the time. And uh, Abby Titmus was still riding the wave at that time, so she was there as well. And then we were <laughs> wrestling on the slope outside the the main entrance to the student union. It's all glamour, baby. Abby Titmus, did she do a sex tape? I can't think why she's famous. I think she she got tangled up with. Uh, David Beckham, maybe, or I don't know, one uh, of the footballers. I think she she maybe. was messing around with, with one of the footballers. Or I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, I do remember the band Big Brothers, but I couldn't tell you anything they did. Yeah. <laughs> this is Big Bro taking over the show. Yeah, this is Those are the yes. yes, I remember. <laughs> so yeah. we'll give away your age a bit more. For, for a cup of coffee there. Yeah. <laughs> This is the High Flying Finnish Luchador Eccentrico telling you're listening to the High Flying Broken But Glorious podcast. So who was your favourite wrestler growing up? Um, it kind of came in eras, really. Like, the, yes. I was always a fan of the bigger guys and like the guys that looked a bit different to everybody else. So like guys with masks, crazy costumes, face paint were like a big deal to me. So the first thing I ever remember seeing in wrestling was um, the Road Warriors leading their WWF run. Um, yes. and they they had the SummerSlam 90 or 91 they had that um, like a street fight with the Nasty Boys and yeah. like bear in mind up until this time wrestling was like you watch like Greg Valentine working an armbar for 10 minutes which you know there's nothing wrong with that I suppose but then you see these two bodybuilders with mohawks and spikes on their shoulders <laughs> and face paint come out and then start whacking these street punks that look like the Nasty Boys look like bad guys out of Ninja Turtles to me when I was a kid they did and then the Legion of Doom came out and stopped, you know, whacking them with trays of water and um, like trays of soft drinks and baking sheets <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, what's this? This isn't, this isn't boring anymore. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. This is like your Saturday morning cartoons, which I think is lost these days. Um, yes. It just suddenly is, was happening with real life grown men who are absolute huge people. So the Legion of Doom really caught my imagination. Um, Big Boss Man. I, yes. I could watch Big Boss Man and, no, I thought he was a great worker as well. I want to appreciate later on in life that 
he could do some good stuff. He had some, yeah, uh, yeah, some yeah. good. Yeah, I've appreciated him as I've got older a lot more. Yeah, yeah, hell of a work. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow, you know, again, he was a, he was a big guy that could do stuff. His whole head was covered in tattoos, which you don't you don't see that every day. Um, no. and Vader as well. <laughs> Vader, I thought was incredible. Vader was amazing. He was, just, he was just like the biggest man in the world at the time. He had the, the weird tape all over his face, or so I thought when I was a kid. You know, like he got that garden tape wrapped around his head but no nah, Vader was incredible and then he hit a moonsault out of nowhere and killed Sting you know so yeah he was terrifying to me Vader when I was a kid yeah Vader's one of the people again who I've went back to appreciate more because I didn't watch WCW and he watched WWE and his running WWE wasn't amazing so nah it's retrospectively going back and watching WCW now I see what the big deal was with Vader yeah absolutely yeah yeah him and Harley Race together um, in the early 90s was God, that's yeah, incredible, incredible yes. run that you had there. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> so what prompted you to don the tights against the ring yourself? Um, I, it's always something I was a bit curious about. Um, there's, there's a bit of an embarrassing story, really, about it. That um, the, the guy that I tagged with, um, Ben, me and we met like in, in secondary school. So I've known him since we were like 12 oh, wow. years old. A lot of people think that we're brothers, but we're not. We've just have been around each other too long, basically. You know how like, they say people <laughs> yeah. start to look like they're pets? so so me and him sort of bonded as as teenagers over love of pro wrestling and insane clown posse was basically our thing and nobody else in school was into that so that was just kind of me and him stuck together over that and then um through like enjoying wrestling together then we we saw that um nwa uk ran in bedworth because we we both live in coventry all our lives and bedworth is like 15 minutes away from us so there's a venue called the Bedworth Civic Hall that's been a wrestling venue since, like, you know, Haystacks wrestled there and Daddy wrestled there back in the day. So it's quite a historic British wrestling venue. And um, they had, uh, like, Jake the Snake and Jim Neidhart would come over and tour with Hamelock from time to time. They, they'd come over, like, twice a year. Hamelock would do, yes. like, a UK tour. So we'd go over and start watching the shows over there. And then, you know, you, you sort of 14, 15, you kind of start thinking, I could do that. So we start pestering the boys outside the back of the venue when the show's finished, like, hey, how can we do this? We're, we're ready to do this. We're, you know, we're big lads. We can come and do this. And we just kind of got the, the fob off that you would expect. Um, yes. They said, oh, you've got to come down to Kent if you want to train, which when you're 14 years old, Kent is three hours away drive. Yes. But, you know, it might as well be, <laughs> yeah, it might as well be another planet for, for when you're a teenager to go there every Sunday. And then I looked at Havit, two of the guys that were on the show were from Coventry and had done the going out to Kent every weekend to train. And um, they were then opening their own training school Yeah, Coventry. Now it's Magic and Psycho Steve. Um, so Magic, he did some stuff. He, uh, he was around like the 1PW era, that kind of thing. We um, in Scotland when that was a big deal. Um he even got out to like he did uh, did a, f- a couple of months over with OBW where that was the feeder territory. Uh, so he oh, was the guy that sort of broke. Yeah, he was the guy that kind of broke me in uh, back in the day. And I'm trying to think who came through the school. It was um, like Jetta came through the same place that I went to. Uh, oh, cool. Um, there's not many of us left really, but yeah. So that was that was how we kind of got our foot in the door. Um, and there was obviously. It was affiliated with the Hamelock School. So we'd go down a couple of times a year and we'd do the tours down there and training camp weekends with like Johnny Moss, Zach Sabre Jr., uh, oh, Virgil wow. Devitt or Finn <laughs> So 
So um, Becky Lynch was would be around every now and then. Uh, so yeah, you know, it was a pretty pretty good caliber of people that we were hanging out with back then. And these are like the guys we were like doing unpaid rumbles on traveling hours and hours and sleeping in the back of a van for no money just to get a bit of ring time in a rumble. And we were, you know, we were getting knocked around by guys twice our age and twice our size. But like, yeah, I think it, it, I know it's, it's now it's sort of frowned upon that you, to get that sort of hazing. Now people are like, no, nah, that's barbaric and all this kind of thing. But not to say that it should still go on now by any means, but I don't know. I think it kind of toughens you up and gives you the respect for it. When you do start to get opportunities that is perhaps missing now, because a lot of people, now they, they do sort of I don't know if people appreciate the fact that now you can sort of be six months in work some high profile shows and then get a tryout you know what I mean yes. like just start working yeah. TV <laughs> matches there's guys I know that work for 20 years and uh, you know have, have never had any of the sort of opportunities that are available now and it's it, sort of passed them by really which is it's a great tragedy but it's uh yes definitely you know i it did it did kind of teach you to appreciate it. when you did start getting paid bookings and you did start getting more than just rumble appearances and you got to sit in the front seat of a car instead of the back of a van on top of a ring you know, <laughs> yeah you, you start to appreciate these things so yeah those were the good old days i still look on it fondly with the you know you run into the guys and, and we always talk about it it's, it's just Lots of great stories that will never get told on a podcast because you just couldn't possibly <laughs> tell them. But uh, yeah, those are that's from my formative days. So I, yeah, I had a great time. So was like Bam Bam Bigelow, Vader, the Road Warriors. Who you wanted to like mold your style around when you start training them? Was it hard? Not at all. No. no. Yeah, when I was that young, and um, like I say, I was a lot smaller at the time. I was maybe 13, 14 stone, and mm. just a hair under six foot, I think. I was, so I was like 16 when I started training, like just turned 16. Uh, oh, um, wow. With, so we're talking now, this will age me horribly, but we're talking 2001 was when I started training. Yeah. So at the time, we, you know, WCW just wrapped up, and TNA was kind of just starting. Um, and tape traders were still sending over like like Ring of Honor tapes and CZW and stuff like that. And uh, ECW videos were still 15 quid in HMV and stuff like yes. that. So <laughs> I was watching, I was watching like the cruiserweights and the luchas and the Japanese guys. And um, so guys like Tajiri, Super Crazy, uh, Loki, Samoa Joe, I was like hugely into those guys when I started training. That was kind of, I think you've, you get to a point where you're in mid-teens and you kind of come a, become a bit cynical and you yeah. start wanting to, you know, people do it with music. Well, I guess mm-hmm. people do it with wrestling too. And you want to kind of watch the, the underground stuff and not the commercial stuff. So that, yes. that's what I did. I started buying ECW tapes and Ring of Honor tapes and going, these are the guys I want to work like. So yeah, that was, that was how I came in. It was, it was weird, hybrid, trying to work like Hamalock style shows, but then also trying to do low key and super crazy spots. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. finding myself was not so easy back then. So did you have an idea of a character when you want to start training? No, nah, not really. Um, it was all kind of, I wanted to have like a, a, a mysterious one word name. Um, I didn't know that I was going to be a mask guy, but I just found a mask on this website, high spots that I really wanted to wear. So uh, I just picked that up. <laughs> Um, oh, <laughs> yeah so the the Jekyll thing I was sort of given so we were just at training one weekend yeah and when we were training on every Sunday there would be sort of God, it was it was 
big, like there was maybe 20 or 30 people there because there wasn't many training schools around. So people used to travel to come to this place. Yes. So there's maybe 20, 30 of us there. And we're all about the same level. We're all maybe like six months in or so. We're in like a, an Aikido um, dojo, which has like a low ceiling. You never would have got a ring in there. So all we've done is trained on mats. Yeah. Like taking bumps and doing mat wrestling and slamming each other on crash mats. We've been doing that for like six, eight months or whatever. And um, the coaches, are they're talking one day and everyone knows that the Bedworth show is coming up the following Friday. And this is on a Sunday. And we know there's a rumble advertised. So everyone's kind of thinking, oh man, I hope I'm, you know, they're going to pick some guys for this rumble and I hope I'm one of them. And as it happened, I was one of them. It was, it was maybe four of us got picked to do this rumble. Oh, cool. But like none of us had gear at the time. And so we kind of had five days to get a, a gimmick and a, like get all your gear together <laughs> and everything. Yeah. So that was interesting. So um, I had, my auntie is like a seamstress for dancers. Oh, amazing. So she knocked some, some tights for me in a few days. Uh, <laughs> and because um, like I say I was a big, big insane clown boss and their album at the time was called The Amazing Jack so I get this name Jekyll that I um, I think I, I seem to remember writing a list of really bad sort of early 2000 wrestling names yeah and texting them to my guy and um, that's the one he picked and that's that's how it happened <laughs> it was sort of like apocalypse and stuff like that on there and just Loads of sort of words that didn't suit sort of chunky sixteen-year-old lad that I was uh, going to go out there as. But yeah, <laughs> so there we were, Jekyll. Oh, so how, how's your character evolved from the Jekyll character up to the now where you're the the unit, the henchman? The, so, so. Um, so I rocked on with the Jekyll thing for a long time, but I did that for maybe ten years or so, mm-hmm. and um, it just got to a point where like. I did some cool stuff. Like I went out and worked shows overseas. You know, I went out to Europe. We were in France, Belgium, Spain, stuff like that. I worked some oh, incredible well, yeah. venues. I worked some great people. Yeah, you know, I've done some stuff that I never thought that I would get to do. Work with some amazing people. But it just got to a point where, like, it just I wasn't clicking anywhere. And there was sort of like a new wave of guys were coming through. And mm. I suddenly I felt like what I was doing was really sort of old fashioned and kind of stuck in that early 2000s period, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. sort of 10 years too late for, for what I was trying to do. So uh, like I say, me and my pal Benton, um, or I'll call him Ben, which is his real name. Um, we <laughs> both kind of got to this point because he was working a sort of goth gimmick as well. And we both kind of came to this crossroads where we said, you know, this isn't working out. We're getting close to 30 now. We've got to walk away from this or try and just completely reinvent ourselves. So we were just sort of, at the time, very bitter, very much stuck in the old school. So we thought, well, let's just use that and came up with these two characters that were just these two obnoxious meathead idiots that were stuck in yes. the 80s, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and that's how, that's how the henchmen were born. So we come up with like these daft names and it was, you know, it was a comedy gimmick basically that we weren't going to wrestle a comedy style, but the gimmick was going to be that we're kind of ironically, you know, it's kind of an ironic thing that we're in on the joke, but we're never going to let you know that we're in on the joke. We're just going to behave like your typical, exactly the time, like the, the RF shoot interviews, Mm. you'd see all like these, these sort of eighties and nineties guys, which is miserable as sin. 
and just <laughs> dressed like it was still the 90s at Golders Gym and things like that and talking about their glory days in Japan and he said God, that, that, that would be a great gimmick to do to just be these two miserable old guys <laughs> that just hate <laughs> wrestling but just cannot let go of it so we yeah. did it we went out and got the we got like the cut off sweatshirts like Rocky Balboa with the singlet over the and the you know, the old school boots and everything. And we even had like the old school headgear, our Rick Steiner headgear. And yeah. we just shot this video of us just doing really daft old moves. And we did like like 80s with fades on it and stuff like that. And <laughs> set it to a song that we got from uh, the end credits of Commando, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film Commando. And yeah. there, was, there was no wrestling then. It was just that we were just training a couple of guys. And it was just us beating up this guy. In a in a community <laughs> yeah. center with no ring or anything, and just doing really stupid things, like putting on fake tan and shaving chests and stuff like that. Um, and it was all just done for laughs, but it was like a like almost like an eighteen montage of these two idiots trying to look tough. And um, it just absolutely caught fire. There was no wrestling yeah. at all, but this no. video kind of caught fire. Um, Spud got very much behind it, and like we had a couple of people, you know, were listening to start sharing it around and suddenly we start yeah. getting loads of bookings just off the strength for this silly video that we did <laughs> um, and yeah it just it just kind of took off from there really jim die hard and benson destruction like two of the greatest names <laughs> <laughs> well i'm kind of trying to be a bit more serious these days and i'm kind of lumbered with yeah. this name now i don't know if it's too late to try and change it but oh well there we go i love that. i don't mind it I, I can live with it I guess yeah, if I went anywhere, well, that when I, when I, was, when I was telling people at work today, I was, I was interviewing Jim Diehard. They went, "Yeah, that sounds like a proper wrestler." That is. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's, that's, <laughs> that's work then, because that's what it was supposed to be like. Eighties wrestler names. Yeah. yeah. Everyone had like a normal first name and a terrifying surname. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because like, the people in the office when they think of wrestlers, they either think world of sport or they think eighties, nineties WWF. They don't, yeah. They don't follow absolutely. So, no. So. No. But now I think there's too many normal people names now, like loads of real names. Or, or like, if it's not even a guy's real name, but it just sounds like a normal guy's name. I don't know. Was, I think it's confused when people <laughs> change their name from their name to another normal name. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about that, but there you go. Um, so, yeah, well, what happened from there? Really, we, um, we were just kind of bouncing around. We'd work places like, um, like Chaos and stuff like that. Um, we do some good stuff there. Um, yeah. And again, it, you know, the, we rode the wave of the and it sort of did its natural cycle that we came in as villains and then the crowd slowly started getting in on the joke and naturally turned as babyface. And then we just sort of had done everything that we could do really in different places and it started to quiet it off a bit. And um, at the time, I was, I was running some shows um, locally with a couple of friends of mine. Yeah. And uh, we... We were doing an event, and this is the chain of events that kind of changed my life, really. But we were, um, so we we booked we booked out this uh, venue for like a charity show, and we booked a ring from a guy who I'm not going to name, and um, we ran into him at the show, and this ring hire man annoyed me to the point where I said, I do not want to put any money in this man's hand as long as I live. So we cancelled him, and then we <laughs> stopped. <laughs> Honestly, I said, I don't want to work with this guy. He, he mugged me <laughs> off one time too many on the day, and I didn't like the way he was treating his own people. I didn't yeah. care for his work ethic. Um, I said, I'm just not going to work with this guy. So um, we uh, we ended up ringing 
around the club and we got put in touch with James Mason. Um, oh, he yeah. had a ring and uh, someone said he he do do the job for you. So we we booked James Mason to come and do this show. And it was like a real small sort of working men's club venue that we'd been asked to, to put on a charity show, raising money for um, for a, a young child with required bad illness that uh, needed to raise some money to, to get out to America to get an operation. So um, we were raising money for that. And we got James Mason to come in and he, and he kindly offered to, uh, to do a match on the show as well. Now, we didn't know James at the time. So my mindset was... Look, James Mason, he's like a proper wrestler. He's, he does this yes. a lot. So we'll give him the easiest match we can. We'll just put him in a tag match where he doesn't really have to do anything if he doesn't want to. I'm At the time, I'm thinking you know, he, he was going to turn up and be a sort of veteran everyone and not really yeah. want to be involved. <laughs> Little do I know that James has like the greatest work ethic in the world. Yeah, um, lots of so, great, great things about James over the years. Uh, he's, he's a wonderful man. Wonderful, wonderful man. Um, Bit of a pain at times and hard work, <laughs> but wonderful man. Um, so we put him in a tag match, one of our trainees and him against the henchman. And um, after the match, he was very complimentary of us. And he said, have you ever tried getting in touch with Brian Dixon? And I said, to be honest, I never thought that we were on that level that we'd be considered. And he said, well, if you send him an email, I'll send him a text and, uh, and give you a recommendation. Yeah. So I did just that. And then... You know, within a couple of days, Brian Dixon's on the phone to me and just gave us like so many dates. Like the normal number of dates that we had in a year, Brian Dixon just offered me the same again on the spot over the course of like two or three months. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. Absolutely couldn't believe it. All stars, such a great. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, as you know, know, you've uh, mentioned to me that you you come watch the All Stars with your kids. So, yeah. I think think we've been five, five times. Think. Yeah, always at New Brighton. Always at New Brighton. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, f- pretty much every time they get to New Brighton, we go. Yeah, it's a great venue. Like the first time I went there, I was kind of blown away by it. just you know a big grand theatre right on the seafront there. The um, the backstage is absolutely incredible as well. It's very oh mate, yeah, you get lost in the backstage, but <laughs> beautiful place. Yeah, right opposite the sea. Even the place where we go for the the meet and greet at the end of the show is like. Leagues oh, above where we do in, in yeah. other venues, you know, so it's a great place to be. Always a good crowd there as well. Oh yeah, everybody gets so into it. I think, uh, yeah, it's. I think my 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 oldest, he's get. I think, think I think he's starting to think it's too panto for him. He wants to be a bit more cool and go right. adult wrestling rather. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I me, me and my six year old absolutely love it. And <laughs> I, I can understand that. It, you know, like I say, hey, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I'd never belittle anyone for that because like i say it's the same thing that happens with music when you you know you over almost overnight you go from i'm gonna listen to the pop music to no no now i want to find the, the grunge and the underground and the indie music. yeah, yeah. it just it does happen to teenagers isn't it i went from my favorite band was queen to hair and green day and uh, no i don't like queen <laughs> I, love, I love green day Metallica. <laughs> so, i mean you're aging yourself there really my friend <laughs> yes <laughs> But it's yeah, the same with me. Like I, I, I went from oh yeah, I love WWF, and then suddenly yeah, I'm going to watch ECW now instead. That's because that's the in thing to do, and I'm I'm too cool to watch WWF now. I just happens to people. Yeah, I just didn't have any friends who watched wrestling, so I just kind of stopped. Just just before the attitude era, I stopped watching for about five years and just missed the whole attitude era. Okay, all the best stuff. Occasionally catch up with it, hungover in bed on a Sunday after a night out. 
yeah, following religiously for yeah, for years. Then 2001, when I heard, oh, they're doing this invasion, Adam Gill. So ECW, WWE, that invasion pay per view was yeah. that back in. So you got to see that. Yeah, so watch yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, we, <laughs> we got the All Star thing. We had a couple of mishaps. The first, I think, the first show we did um, was at Hanley, and we wrestled uh, Dean Ormark and uh, Charlie Charlie Sterling. Oh wow! Just kind of thrown yeah. into the deep, and they're like, "You're on last with with Dino and Charlie." We're like, "Oh, okay." And there was God, and you backstage, you're like, you. Suddenly, you're backstage with Dean Mark, James Mason, um, Mason Ryan was there, um, PN News, um, Thunder, Robbie Dynamite, you know, all these incredible wrestlers yeah. that you'd only ever sort of heard about that were in this mysterious all-star wrestling company that it's kind of out of reach, you know what I mean? It kind of felt like that's the proper wrestling, but it's closed ranks and it's you can't get in there. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, we were in there. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty good. And then, from there, we started doing like the holiday camps and stuff like that, which is obviously is the best place. Anyone in the world will tell you the holiday camps are the best place to learn pro wrestling because there's no better yeah. place to uh, to get on your feet in pro wrestling doing the holiday camps. Yeah, we've seen so many good people at all, all stars. Because everyone you just mentioned, plus we saw Gangrel, so um, oh, Zach, Zach Gibson, Nathan Cruz, yeah. Adam Maxted. Oh, um, yeah. Oliver Gray, so many great wrestlers. Oh yeah, Oliver Gray, man. He, uh, I think, other than James Mason, he's probably the person that has taught me the most about how to mm-hmm. be a pro wrestler. Yeah. When I first started them, um, I think there was there was a week, weekend where uh, we were scheduled to go down and do Butlins for the for the loop on Butlins, and um, Ben couldn't make it at the last minute. So I told I told Brian like I'm still happy to come down on my own if if you don't mind um, I'd still love to work the weekend and I, I think he was probably just stuck for guys at that time um, <laughs> but he said yeah come down on your own and uh, we'll, we'll put you through some singles and um, so I get to Minehead Butling it's a Saturday night every weekend at Minehead Butling you have like two thousand people there easy to oh, wow. watch wrestling in the in the skyline you know the big tent the big iconic stage in minehead butlins and i'm then going on last with oliver gray in a singles match and the way the the holiday park shows go you can't just do 10 minutes they they are expecting a full hours of entertainment so you've got to you've got to do your 20 minutes you know at least so to be to then told you're going in with oliver gray you've got to do 20 minutes with him Oh, you're on last in front of two thousand people, and I had that like every weekend for about six weeks straight. And I, I don't mind telling you because I, I told this to to him. You know, like me and Oliver Gray subsequently we become quite good pals now, and uh, we wrestled each other countless times. And I'm always happy to get in a ring with him now. I genuinely think he's the best wrestler in Europe right now. Oh, he's amazing! But yeah. those first sort of yeah, he's incredible, untouchable. You might have seen him throwing me off the top rope through a table at New Brighton, actually. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but those first six weeks wrestling him every weekend was absolute. Hell. I just couldn't keep up with him, and he he just wants to get the best out of you because he wants his match to be the best, and he he wants the show to be the best. So he just will not let you phone it in ever. Not that I would attempt to, but if you're giving a hundred percent, he wants a hundred and ten every single yes. time, and oh. that. You know, it's not for him to come down to your level. It's for you to get up to his level. Otherwise, you shouldn't be in the job. If you can't keep up, you shouldn't be around, basically, is the, the philosophy. 
Yeah. So that kind of was, was a hell of a wake-up call to me that even though I've been around for such a long time, even though sort of just as a part-timer, it was just like stepping up to the next level to get in the ring with him. And the same when I was getting in the ring with like um, James Mason, uh, and Tony Spitfire is another incredible wrestler who you don't hear too much about, but he's, no. God, he's, he's such a fantastic I've, wrestler. I've, I've, only ever seen, I've only seen him on All-Star. So yeah. And, and he could, you know, he could sleepwalk through a match, no problem at all. I think he's a very underappreciated wrestler, and he is sort of the uh, he, he is a bit of a bit of a captain backstage of the All Star team. To be honest with you, does more than people would ever realise to keep them shows mm. happening. Um, but yeah, he's he absolutely incredible wrestler, and he's taught me a lot. Like riding in a car with him, as much as I have, has taught me more about wrestling than than you'll learn in any training school, quite frankly. Wow, is <laughs> so. How do, how do you? What are your thoughts on like the current wrestling scene compared to when you start off in the business? Because you must you went through because some people it's like the Premier League. People don't think there was wrestling before 2013. Like there wasn't British football yeah. before 1992, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I obviously there's been changes to it, but it's still the same thing. You can do the, the things have not changed as much as people would imagine. Um, yeah. I think. think the last 12 months has been a bit of an eye-opener because obviously the wrestling's kind of flown under the radar for so long that it's almost like the inmates have been running the asylum and anybody yes. can just walk in and go, I'm a wrestler now or I'm a promoter now. And to be honest with you, I think anyone walking in and saying I'm a promoter now is more dangerous than anything else because there, there yes. is no way to police that whatsoever. There's just nothing you can do about that until there are like very strict... Uh, very strict rules around, you know, a bit of red tape around who can mm -hmm. organise a pro wrestling event. They're not going to yes. get any better because they'll always take the cheaper option. They'll always take the guy that's been shunned elsewhere. That that is problem number one that needs to be solved. I, I can't imagine. Like when I started, there was there was FWA, Hamlock, and All Star, and that was basically it. Um, and Scott Conway, I think, was was just kind of winding down around that time. I think, but there was nothing else. You couldn't just hire a hall and run it just that didn't exist at all and if you did you couldn't get any of the, the better wrestlers because they just wouldn't do it they wouldn't mess around with with just no. any tom dick or harry that says i've hired a ring in a town hall come and work for me <laughs> so yeah, i think uh, following I, the speaking out movement last june i don't think we got you can have a bad promoter or a, or a bad training school anymore and people will put up with it the way the way they have I um I have mixed feelings on it because I think yes it that those conversations need to happen but I think at the moment it's sort of trapped in the Twitter bubble really and mm -hmm. yes there's there's a government thing going through but what I said from from the start was the the government thing is is probably what it's going to end up being is more around who's allowed to do this legally speaking in terms of you know taxation and things like that that who's who's just doing this cash in hand and uh, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably going to be more on the financial side of things and who's operating legally and who isn't than the safeguard of things. Because I don't think, that, you know, there is a lot of the, the, the Twitter conversation is, is great because it's got people talking about it and it's got some names out there that needed to be called out for, mm -hmm. for indecent practices. Again, it comes down to the scruples of the promoter because I think that promoters should have a line where they say, all right, in solidarity, I'm not going to use this guy. But as you know, I don't want to go and name any names, but 
we all know there was a, a high profile name that was called out in the speaking out movement for something horrific that they did and the first shows that were back on this guy's name was on like the very first show to happen and you know that that is massively deflating for anybody that's that's trying to do the right thing Mm -hmm. as much as i admire what's happened I, i don't know what the solution is to be quite honest with you i think it takes more organization than British pro wrestling is capable of of doing to to completely solve this problem. I think it's it's going to be a very very long slog, and I don't like the the implication that people have said that oh speaking out has achieved nothing, and you know all everything we've done has been for nothing. It hasn't all been for nothing at all, but I think we're we're at the very beginning of a very, very long road. Yes, I don't, yeah. think, I don't think it's now's the time. Now is not the time to get disheartened with it. Now is the time to look at solutions and not just complaining about, you know, oh, this hasn't worked, so that's it. It's just a cesspit, and it's never going to get any better. It will get better. It will just take time to do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, was, yeah I've, I've, I've seen already that I think, even like little things, like I didn't realise that you didn't have to provide water or have a first aider on site and stuff oh, like no, that. Perish, perish the thought. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think you could get away not doing them things now, I think. Oh, I'd like to think so, yeah. I think not just the safeguard of things, but I think just other other things have come to the front that should be happening, which are not happening. I don't think I'll be able to do it anymore. I I mean, it has opened my eyes a bit Mm. to to things. You know, I I don't quite know how... It's frustrating for me that everyone's saying that that, uh, Brit West is dead and they've given up on it. And I'm thinking, well, I've been doing this all its time and... I haven't done anything wrong. You know? no. <laughs> it's it's a very selfish way to think of it, but I'm thinking that this is going to get partly away from me, and I have done nothing wrong whatsoever. And I'm trying to think of ways to reassure people. I just want to do this as my job. I don't, I'm not interested yes. in using it as a position of power to abuse it or anything like that. I just enjoy doing this, and I just want to do this as my job. So. Mm-hmm. You know, however, I can reassure you that I'm just here to perform and then go home without doing anything horrific to anybody. I'm not sending anybody any inappropriate messages or, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> I'm going to behave myself as I always yeah. have. I, I didn't think it was this much of an issue of people not knowing how to conduct themselves in what is essentially a workplace because you wouldn't do it in a, you know, in an office or anything like that. So no. A little professionalism goes a long way. So I've done things like the DBS check. Um, I went out a couple of weeks ago and did a first aid course, um, like CPR and that kind of thing, and recovery position, and all very basic yeah. stuff that I would yes. like to to do more of that. Just because it is it is quite eye opening to think that oh wow, you know all these things I've done, uh, all these risks I've taken in places where there was I don't know if there's anybody medically trained there if if the worst should happen and. Mm. Yeah, that that was a, a real eye-opener for me. That we should have been doing yeah. this all along, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, I, d- I don't believe that Brit Rest is dead or will be dying anytime soon. I think if NXT UK didn't kill Brit Rest, then I, don't, I think because when when that happened, that the main event got took out of the country and everyone just moved up a level, and you didn't miss yeah. all these guys. So I think the same again. These guys have, just, have been taken out. Everyone, I got think... so, it's got so many guys who just fill their places, and you won't miss them. NXT UK um, is, I mean, it's it's a bit of a, a, a weird subject to talk about. Like, I think it's mm. it's no different to what WWF did in the eighties, essentially, which was get the best guys from a territory and then plant your flag in that territory. And then 
it's up to everyone else to become a viable alternative. But for the for the wrestlers ourselves, like you say, everybody then moves up a level. If the promotions are now lacking all the guys that WWE are using, then those spots now become available. Mm-hmm. And it sets everybody a goal that, you know, a lot of people now are trying to get noticed by WWE to get onto the NXT UK and, and be on that platform and be a part of that company. That is something to, to shoot for that, you know, when I started in 2001, working for WWE was like an impossible dream. It was a one in a million shot Yeah, that you would go from wrestling in gyms in the UK to wrestling in WWE. It just was unobtainable. But now you look at, you know, you've got two, two girls from, from SWA where I was working 15 years ago and now in high-profile spots on, on WWE every week. Yes. And nobody, ex- you know, nobody expects that to happen. Nikki and, uh, and and Piper, nobody expects those kind of things to happen. Yeah, they certainly wouldn't happen. Nikki won the Royal Women's Championship the other day. She did. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what <laughs> I mean. You know, she's in a in a huge spot. And that for people from the UK, fifteen twenty years ago, it was just unthinkable that that would happen. And now yeah. having this route through NXT UK to NXT to WWE, it's now like a, a real tangible thing that could happen. And I think yeah. it's just kind of encouraged everybody to get in better shape, get better gear, work harder, get yourself more noticed, behave yourself, get your social media stuff in order and, and learn how to use that properly. I think it has encouraged everybody to kind of up their game a bit and push themselves further. And I think the whole scene is going to benefit from that. Yeah, definitely. So um, having these 18 months off, I'm guessing you've, so you've had time to rest them niggling injuries, rest your body, evaluate what kind of worked well and what hasn't worked well over the last couple of years. So when we come back, are you going to have any, any character tweaks or any new set changes when we return? Or? Uh, I mean, I've, I've got myself a bit of a new look. I've tweaked, tweaked what I was, how I looked you know, before we finished. I mean, I look back on how I looked right before lockdown finished to how I look now, and it, yes. it just feels like a total reinvention to me. Definitely. Um I've been down to the, the FTGU school and we were doing sort of um, one-on-one training bubbles for a while. So yeah. just to get some contact time in, I could go down there with one of the guys and I was training with a guy uh, who works as the Invisible Man, Richard Walker from FTGU, who is a, a superb young wrestler. Uh, and I hope he's going to have a, a good year this year and break out a bit. But um, yeah, I was getting I, into the I ring never heard, him, I've so. never heard of him until... Um... Chocolate Thunder mentioned him, so he's the guy I need to I, look over. Yeah, I mean, he, he's the guy I'm, I'm very much encouraging him to kind of shout his name out a bit more because he's not really out there on the social media stuff at the moment, which I think is a, is a bit of a sin for a wrestler these days to not be constantly bragging on social media. It's the best tool we have available to create your own buzz about yourself because, again, yes. you, you couldn't do that. There was just no way to get yourself out there like that, other than writing to promoters or just turning up at shows and hanging around. Now you've got this all these incredible tools that you can make people aware of you. And, you know, he looks well. He's a very good wrestler. And his gimmick is that he's the invisible. Um, so why would people not be into that? So um, I, I went down to the school with Rich um, for a few weeks. And um, we were just, the two of us, we for maybe two or three hours, we just wrestle, 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 you know, um, hit the ropes and sleep leap and all that kind of thing. And I was just going, do you mind if I try this? Do you mind if I try this? And it was just a great thing for me to to go, you know, I'm, I'm five stone lighter than I was now. Let, 
Oh, well, just yeah. try stuff that I haven't been able to do for years and years. So that's been really good for me to, you know, got my got my cardio, in-ring cardio is so different. Like, it's something you can't really do like just going on treadmill. Just mm-hmm. Wrestling cardio is so different to any other kind of cardio. You just kind of got to do it. And I really hope that all the guys and girls that are going out back on shows, you know, this week, next week, last week, have got some in-ring training before they've just gone straight back into shows cold because it is going to cause problems if people are doing that. So you definitely need to get your get your ring time in before you just jump back into shows. But um, <laughs> Yeah, when I was interviewing yeah, so, people like um, September last year, they just spent five months on their physique, forgot to do any yeah. cardio, and they went back to training and they'll gasp in five minutes <laughs> they just haven't ran <laughs> like six months. I, just... I mean, I went the other way. I just I just kept lifting weights and eating and then mm. got back in the ring and I was like, oh, okay. I'm just sort of plodding <laughs> along here. Like yeah, we we're kind of on top of it now. But um yeah, so just through training with him, I was able to just the, the two of us, we were just trying out different things between the two of us. Uh and that was really good to have that ring time to do that. Um so yeah, I've 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 worked on a couple of things and, and linking stuff together and uh, combo sequences and stuff like that that I want to try oh, and get into a bit more. So we'll we'll see how that goes. That sounds fun. I am looking forward to it because I've kind of, I've, although I have done some shows, um, I've kind of been limited to a more camp style of show. So mm-hmm. there's sort of not too much you can do to tweak that. You kind of have to to, to do that a certain way. Um, yeah, and it is quite a conservative style where you, you don't really want to, you know, start nailing each other as hard as you can and, and throwing the big suplexes in and things like that. It's just it's unnecessary. <laughs> um, so now I'm yeah, going to start getting out. Especially like all-star shows where you get these huge reactions for things like a clothesline and like an elbow yeah. drop off the top rope. You get these massive reactions for the yeah, smallest Yeah, I mean, doing, doing, yeah, doing good, good stuff like that at the right time gets more of a reaction than dropping somebody on their head on the apron. So why would you, why would you take those risks if you don't need to is, is my philosophy on it. And I need, you know, if, if we're doing three, four shows in a weekend, I don't want to hurt somebody on the first show and then try and do the same thing again on show two, three, and four. I would rather we both look after each other and entertain people in a in a safer way. I think that's the key to a long career, basically. Definitely. But um, I, I am aware of the fact that the difference has got to be done. Audiences expect different things. Like we were talking about the not not so much cynical, but the, the more mature fans of like the you know late teens to to their thirties, maybe. The non-family sort of audience, they expect different things from you these days. And I'm, that's yes, the thing definitely. that I'm trying to figure out now is is working for, for that type of audience. That's to me that I've now got, like, my body is capable of doing things that I couldn't do a year or two years ago or even five years. Getting older, I'm getting myself in better shape so I can start to introduce those sort of things and start to kind of figure out what those audiences want to see from, uh, from mm-hmm. a big gym. Hey everyone, this is Chocolate Thunder on the Broken But Glorious podcast. Give it a listen because obviously yours truly is on there, giving you all the life advice and info you want about Chocolate Thunder. So do you have like a wish list of opponents you want over the next like year or so? Everybody. Absolutely everybody. I just want to work everybody. Will Cruz is a guy I'll, I'll keep an eye on. Oh, that'd be interesting. Me and him have yeah. kind of got a got a similar build and uh you know I, i'm always up for a hoss fight i, I like it's, yeah, it's, best, it's good being things. in there with guys that can throw me around 
yeah, I'll be all about that. He's, he's the first name that popped to mind when you asked that question. But yeah, like quite literally, I just want to work with everyone. Believe it or not, I'm working for All Star. Never had a singles match with Dean Allmark. So oh, I, wow. I really, that's 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 high on my wish list is a singles match with Dean. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that Dean's currently on progress, show, showing like the world what he can do. I think yeah. I, I'm so surprised yeah. like him and he didn't get onto NXT UK or yeah, so, like, Dean Armark. Yeah, and, that is a shame. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't think. The, the, the doors ever closed there um, I think they've, they've probably got more guys than they, they have spots for at the moment yeah, so definitely. at the moment it feels like why would you bring in a guy like Dean Allmark when you haven't got something ready for him to do let him keep doing his thing because he is, he's going to be able to do his thing for a long time he's not slowing down at all Dean he, you know he's an absolutely incredible wrestler he's in great shape he, he's never going to stop doing this so yeah yeah I think there's, there's still plenty of time for the Dean Marks of the world to, to do stuff. He just seems a perfect guy to bring in, if, even if it's just you, you have him working at the performance centre and then you have him on the shows to help the younger wrestlers put on great matches. Oh, oh yeah. Um, same, same with the Hunter Brothers. I'm, I'm surprised WWE never put them on NXT UK as just yeah. like a, as a team to help the younger team. So Absolutely. I, um, I, was, I was out traveling with Lee Hunter a couple of weeks ago, actually. We did a, a couple of the weekend things together. He's, God, he's such a great guy to be yeah. on the road with. He's so funny. Like, people don't realize how funny <laughs> Lee Hunter <laughs> is as a human being. And he is an absolutely incredible wrestler as well. Great work. work. Um, I th- I'm not sure, but I think Jim might be um, overcoming an injury at the moment, but I'm not yes. 100% sure on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh. I think they've had some bad timing where. One of them would get fit and the other one would get hurt, and they've, they've kind of gone that way for a little while now. But oh, um, yeah. you know, as as a tag team, we've had some matches with them, and uh, yeah, they're incredible. It's two two of my favourite guys to work with. Yeah, but again, I think th- there's still time for that to happen. So I, I don't think anyone. Th- all these guys we're talking about are all like guys under forty years old, and I think at one mm-hmm. time you would say that anybody over thirty is sort of on their way down, you know, winding down, but. I think now, if you're under forty, you've probably you've still got another at least another five years, maybe ten years that you can still do this to to a high standard. So I don't think the clock is ticking so much with them. If guys can go and have a good two year run or a three year run or whatever, what what's the harm in that? I think that's absolutely there's there's money to be made there for everyone. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be too alarmed. I think the chances will come for those guys. Yeah, I think the nutrition and the way people train these days, it's, add, it's, it's adding years to careers anyway. Just look at the top of WWE. Oh, yeah. They're all in their 40s. Yeah. They don't look, they don't, they're not acting like the like, like when Jake the State came back in 96. They're like, oh, he's 41. He's over the hill. He's, he's past it. Yeah. <laughs> and Bob Backley came in. It was like 42, 43, yeah, like 82, wasn't it? He was like, oh, he's so old. I was like, <laughs> Edge is 47 look at him Bobby Lashley is like 45 or something like that and yeah, I was quite surprised by that yeah. you wouldn't take him for a, for a guy that, that sort of age he looks incredible and he's still working to a very high standard absolutely don't think for one minute that guys in their sort of mid 30s are, are on their way out of this job whatsoever especially guys with sort of 10-15 years behind them that with the experience of a deep or a Oliver Gray or Jim and Lee Hunter yeah, these guys have, have got plenty of time to grow. They've, they've got another 10 years in the job easily. Like so Bobby Roode, I'm sure he's in his 
like early forties. AJ Styles is early forties. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Jeff Hardy and yeah, yeah, all these guys we think of as uh, they're sort of ageless to me because they're the guys I grew up with. And it, yeah, for me, if I was to accept that you know Jeff Hardy is forty, then I'm like, well, how the hell old am I then? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. This is Too Cruel, Tyson Taylor, and you're listening to Broken But Glorious. Yeah. All right, so if you're promoting for a day, promoting an event, so using wrestlers you've worked with, trained with, wrestlers are associated to you in some way. If I give you a match type, will you tell me who you want to put in that match? We'll give it and, a go. And as it's your card, every match can be intergender, every match can be triple threat, every match can have fatal four-way. It's up to you how you want yeah. to make the, the card. So... Cool, let's give it a go. So what would be your opening contest to get the crowd excited? Um, I think uh, Tony Spitfire, I think, is one of the best opening match guys anywhere yes. in the world. Uh, um, and I would put him in with uh, a guy called Kean Kelly, the Fox. Yes, the Fox. I don't know if yes. you're familiar with him. Yes, uh, he just won, a, nice. just won a championship down in Reach in uh, Devon. Oh, wow. Kean, he's, he's one, of, one of my best friends in the job, and he's absolutely superb at this. Um uh, People don't appreciate. I mean, he went actually went down to the uh, the UK PC not so long ago. Uh, apparently, he, he made a very good impression down there from the stories he's told me and the stories I've heard from James Mason and various oh, other people. Uh, I think he he made quite the impression there for all the right reasons. Is is all I'll say. Um, but yeah, he's is an incredible wrestler. He's bigger than anyone would have ever imagined he is as well he's a huge guy um he's got years and years of experience he's the hardest worker on the scene right now um mm-hmm. and if him and tony spitfire can't get a crowd going then you might as well shut the show down immediately <laughs> definitely um what would be your comedy match um so i've worked with some great comedy guys um flatliner i'm just a, as a human being being around the flatliner is like nothing else you'll ever experience in your life. Um, yes. I've, yeah. <laughs> I've wrestled Little Legs quite a lot. That's always fun. Um, flatliner and Little Legs do tag team stuff together occasionally as well. Um, yeah. A lot of fun. So I, I did have a match once that was uh, myself and Tagori against Little Legs and Big Dog, which uh, should be never spoken of again. It was an attempt <laughs> at a comedy match, but. Um, I would probably say Flatliner and a wrestler called Ringo Orion, who I've yes. seen at All-Star. Yeah, yeah he's uh, he's living in New Zealand now and he's still doing a bit of wrestling over there. But yeah, he's an incredible wrestler and a very, very underrated comedy wrestler as well. Yeah, when I saw, when it, yeah it, was, it was him and Little Legs against Danny Hudson, I think, when we, went, when we saw Little Legs live. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's... Ringo Ryan is the man, and uh, I, I do miss seeing him over here. Always, always kept me laughing. That guy. Yeah, he, he seems like a, he's a very nice guy. The meet and greets as well. So, yeah, about, terrific guy. About a women's title match. Uh women's title match. Um, Millie McKenzie, I think is. Uh, well, yes. I, I don't even have to say. I think everyone knows how good she is, and um, she's again uh, another wrestler from Coventry. So she's she's one of my own. Superb wrestler, years and years ahead of her. Yet she's very young. Um, she would definitely be in my women's title match. Uh, um, she's only twenty twenty one, I think. She? She's something like that. Yeah, yeah. young as about the time she's been around. <laughs> That's it. Um, <laughs> other girls I rate highly at the moment. Um, Rio, yes, Rio from uh, yeah, 
she, I think she's an incredible wrestler. She's very intense yeah, look on her as well. Oh, brilliant tail. So kind of terrifying, you know. Yeah, definitely the kind of person you want in there. Um, Nightshade as well, I rate very highly. Mm-hmm. And there's a great character. Um, and uh, oh, Aisha Raymond, if you're familiar with yes. her, I think she's yeah. based up in Scotland at the moment. Absolute monster of a person, of a human. Huge girl, uh, very, very talented. So, yeah, that's, that's a four-way there you've got. Oh, that's a, that'd be a great match. <laughs> that'd be meaty. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> then uh, a mid-card title match? Oh, mid-card title. James Mason. I think. Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to throw at you James Mason and Dean Allmark because I've seen them against each other once and it is absolute magic. And I'm sure they've, they've probably had hundreds of matches. Yes. Uh, in the younger days, but I've only seen it myself once, um, and I think everybody should get to experience that sometime. Yeah, so I saw it at All Star, and it was the greatest match I've ever seen, and the funniest match. I've yeah, ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know uh, how they pulled two, it off. Such, but... such talented wrestlers; they should be everywhere in this country, uh, and they'll they'll no doubt be coaching the next generation as well. Yeah, there's so many people coming out of um, Dean Allmark School. You see locally yeah. around the Merseyside area, and they're all really, really great. Yeah, uh, uh, hardcore extreme rules style match. Oof. Uh, see, I'm not, I'm not really around too much of that these days, so I don't really know who who the people are that are uh, that are doing that well. I know uh, Big Joe is uh, who I run into from time to time, and uh, I get on really well with Big Joe. Um, yes, I know he's doing the the death match style at the moment. So uh, fair play to him because I don't think you'd ever see me in one of those sort of matches. I have a real thing. Glass and fire are two things that I just never want to mess around with. I do more or less anything else, but just glass yeah. and fire just uh, really put me off. So fair play to him. Oh. But I, I'll just give him a shout out as a, as a brilliant hardcore wrestler. But um, yes, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's not my scene at all. <laughs> if if you went if your opponent went under the ring and pulled out a bag, would you want it to be? Drawing pins or Lego? Um, I have taken a fall on drawing pins a couple of times before. Um, yeah. And it's sort of, I think it, it's probably better when there's a hundred of them rather than two. You know what yes. I mean? Because you, yeah. you just kind of, it just hits you all over. I don't know about the Lego though. I mean, I have, um, so I have two young kids now and they're constantly leaving all sorts all over the floor and I forever am treading on this, that, and the other bits of plastic. And that does smart. That's it. Tell you that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, whew, I, I'd probably take the tax. I'd probably take the tax over Lego. Thinking of yeah, most, most, most people do. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I saw Demon Eye versus Gino Ramsey at Wrestle Island, and Gino power bombed Demon Eye through a table covered in Lego, and I, it looked like the sorest thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> About a tag team title match. That's probably going to be the, the hench versus the Hunters yes. number 400 yeah that's the match for me cool and then it's your main event your title match <sighs> uh, my main event is going to be Oliver Gray against basically anybody um, <laughs> there's no one who couldn't get a good match out of but um, I know when he was over here last year um, him and Niwa were having really good matches Niwa from New Zealand I don't know if you yes. caught him at all yeah, yeah I, those saw, guys I saw were... the last uh, All Star shows on. Oh, was he at the, at the New Brighton show? Yes. Was that when uh, Was that when Brody Steele got injured at that show? Yes. Yeah. 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 That was that was really bad. That was that um, a ladder, a ladder match. I can't remember. 
yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. It was, it, it was, I was, think was, there was, was a ladder match there. But... Yeah, it was when Brody Steele got injured. Yeah, it's a shame. He's another great wrestler. I, I learned a lot from him in a, the summer that I did with him over here, and I tagged him uh, quite a bit. He's the biggest human I've ever met in my life. He's built yeah, like a fridge. He's got um, awesome. <laughs> kind of amazing. He's just if you your image an 80s wrestler that's what you come out with it's just like that's oh it. man he's <laughs> just a yeah. huge huge man he's he's one of those guys that you know everywhere you go with him people look at him and they mm. know you know i think people look at him you know you know you stop at the services and he walks in get, you know <laughs> something to eat or a coffee and people look at him like whoa are you a wrestler or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's just got that that classic look the 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 haircut and the face on him and yeah he just 100% looks the part and uh, yeah it was a shame to see him get hurt that night but yeah he's yeah, a great guy you know picks up some good advice off him very very good guy so, that'll so be yeah, a great card. I, I mean it's essentially an all-star wrestling card but uh, there you go <laughs> <laughs> I do rate it I rate it highly can't, you can't go wrong with I think everybody should go and see one yeah again it's, it's something that you know with a, with a certain faction of fans it does have a bit of a reputation but I think if they came out and actually saw it for themselves, they'd go away with a different opinion. Yeah, I thought, I, my, my older said he, once once the wrestling starts, he loves it. He just I think it's just the 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 beginning, like the pantomime bit parts of it. He's, right. he's not so keen on, but but yeah, but when he yeah, was when he, when he was ten, eleven, twelve, he loved it. And then a six year old loves it, and my girlfriend loves it, and we've went with her parents, and they love it. So it's I think, yeah, if you go into it knowing what it is, I don't think you can. Just go if you go into yeah, it, I, and I think that's fun, and it's, I can't think how you not like it. It's just, no, it, there's a lot of in There's a lot of crowd engagement, yeah, and yeah. it is, you know, it, it does sometimes tr sticks to the basics so that everyone can keep up with it, and it's mm -hmm. considerate to everybody of all ages. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think I, I think it's perfectly reasonable that someone who's a teenager or in their twenties and a, a hardcore wrestling fan wouldn't maybe enjoy it quite so much because it's probably yeah there is a lot of crowd engagement but i think everyone does engage with the crowd but just in different ways different audiences mm -hmm. expect different things like i say when we go work at places like um tidal and stuff like that it's a it's a totally different atmosphere and we do stuff that you'd never ever see us do at an all-star show mm -hmm. resurgence is another place wrestling resurgence in leicester um, yes. have put us off some absolutely incredible wrestlers but they're from a totally different philosophy to us. And I think almost sometimes there's like a barrier between us when, when we're put on with these guys and they think, oh, we're on with the, the 20 stone all-star guys and we can't do the stuff that we normally want to do. And I think that frustrates them to a bit. Mm -hmm. But in my head, I'm thinking, well, what you do and what you really different. And we've got 20 minutes in the ring to kind of gel that together. So mm -hmm. what? how can we do that in an interesting way? That's my philosophy of it is, I want to take what you do and what we do and put it together. And this is going to be different to anything else the audience will see tonight because it's two completely contrasting styles, but they can work together really well. And that that's just proven by the fact that Dean Ormark is now wrestling in progress. You yes, know, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Oliver, Oliver Gray or Joel Redman is at Rev Pro. And these guys can do it all. And we can do it all as well. Like, quite happy to do a dive through the ropes i'm quite happy to, to to get thrown with any kind of suplex you want to give me i'll be i'll be the guy there for that but i, I think that there is sometimes people sort of dismiss the all-star guys as being too basic to this to that too pantomime 
And I think that's a, it's a very simplistic way to talk about some very, very talented individuals that, that can do, do anything you ask them to do, but you have to ask them to do it. Don't just write it off. Ask them to do it and let's work together and, and do something interesting and, and make some magic. Yeah. If we come back to assertions, that's, that's a promotion I really want to go see live. I, I, I've seen... I've interviewed the promoter and I've interviewed a couple of guys over the years. And yeah, it's something I really want to see live. I've loved the, I loved all the YouTube stuff. It's just something so different. Oh, it's, yeah, it's very unique because it's um, the guys that are behind it, uh, they're, they're more theatre based people and they're, they're performing arts people. They're not yeah. wrestling people. They're, yeah, they, they wanted me to call them. Yeah, I said, Do you want me to call you owner or booker? Or it's like, no, producer. I was like, okay. Yeah. Again, that's been quite refreshing for me that, and uh, they've come into it doing things the right way from the get-go. They've, they've always had medically trained people there. They yes. always have food and drinks backstage. You know, the run sheets are as clear as day. You know, the, the, no one's in any doubt as to what they're doing, when they're doing it. Everybody's just looked mm-hmm. after constantly. We take the ring over there earlier on in the day, and there's always extra help on hand. You know, there's, there's always copies around and everything. They, they, they're really doing things the right way. Um, you know, they're, they're the kind of people that will... They will bank transfer your money to you the day before the show, so we haven't got to worry about anything like that. It's just it's an absolute dream scenario of yes, how definitely. a show should be run. And they, as far as like the wrestling side of things, they they don't always get it right, but they are very open to feedback on that. So if you think mm-hmm. that that they haven't done something right or if something doesn't work, they want to know why and how to make it right, and, and that's very admirable, I think. And um, I think we kind of got in there just on the on the premise that we had a ring and were nearby to them, and we got recommended to them, and we sort of become a part of the furniture there now. Um, yeah. And it's it's been great because again, it's just, we started off there as the the villains. We sort of had an organic turn to being the baby faces there, and there was no defining moment to that. It was just the audience swung in our favour, and again, I think that's just down to us being so different to anything else there. Definitely. That we, we kind of became almost this sort of beloved pair of big goofballs. <laughs> oh, right. So uh, I'm excited to get back to them. But I mean, they're, they're in no rush to get back. They're, no. they're playing things very cautiously. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe we'll talk to them in the new year and they'll have stuff going on. But I know for a fact that they haven't just been sat around waiting for this to, to pass by. They'll, they'll have books and books filled with ideas of, uh, of things to do going forward. And, uh, Hopefully, we'll still be a part of that. Yeah, definitely. So where can people see you in the near future? Um, I'll be with uh, Southwest Wrestling for the next few weeks. Um, down in sort of Gloucestershire, Tewkesbury, uh, Bristol, I think they've got coming up. Um, the Lake Fest uh, Festival I mentioned. Um, FTGU is going to be running shows again. Um, I believe they're starting back in October. Um, we've got shows lined up with Fight Nation and Tidal this year as well. Um, first class wrestling and all star wrestling. I oh, should be back with those teams. Yes. Uh, hopefully towards the end of this year. Uh, first class wrestling is based in the Northeast. They're absolutely incredible shows. Um, yeah, I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard nothing but good things about first class. So. Yeah, if you if you like all star, you'll like first class wrestling. Um, do you want to promote any social media you have before we go? Yeah, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at um, Henchman Jim. Uh, and the same on Instagram, Henchman Jim. Just uh, look me up, King of Beasts, Big Jim Die Hard, Henchman Jim, something like that. <laughs> cool. I'll put any links in the description below the interview. So I've really enjoyed speaking today. I'd love to have you on again in the future. Yeah, nice one, mate. I'll be up for that.